Coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, we are reviewing last night's action between the Newcastle Jets and Brisbane Raw. Brisbane winning that game 1-0 thanks to a late Nikola Miluznic goal. Um, but more to the point, um, of course, talking a little bit about the Terrace Novocastria walkout that happened as well, uh, the Newcastle Jets active supporter group, and what we can expect, I guess, uh, heading into the derby uh, tonight as well, the Melbourne Derby, um, expecting walkouts at that game as well as the fallout from the grand final decision um, continues really this weekend. But of course, we also discussed the game a little bit, um, Newcastle and, and their consistencies, uh, Brisbane as well, and uh, how they looked a lot better tonight uh, and, uh, and played some really good football as well. And we also uh, just briefly towards the end touched on Adam Taggart. Uh, returning to Perth Glory on a three-and-a-half-year deal. Matt Olsen, our WA uh, contributor, gave us a little bit of an insight into that. And also, uh, Ruben Zakovic's A-League All-Access episode. So, it's all coming up right after this. Welcome back to another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And uh, tonight I am joined by Matt Olsen and Cody Ajada. And we are going to discuss the game that we've all just witnessed. Newcastle Jets losing 1-0 at home to Brisbane Raw to a Nikola Miluzinic 80th minute winner. Uh, First of all, Matt, you want me to introduce you and you want me to allow you to apologize for something from last week's pod because, of course, we... We actually did discuss Brisbane Raw last week as well, two weeks in a row. Uh, they've got the Friday slot, and we discussed their loss. No, not loss. One all draw. My bad. Uh, it felt like a loss because of the way they played, actually, to be honest. But um, it was a one all draw against Adelaide, and uh, now we're discussing them again. But you said something in that podcast that you need to apologize to uh, any Raw fans listening, so go for it, mate. Yeah, so we were obviously in the mindset of it being essentially a loss for both Adelaide and Brisbane, really, uh, the way it panned out. And I essentially uh, read off uh, what was a live ladder at the time because obviously Adelaide were leading 1-0 for the majority of that second half. And I had said that uh, Brisbane's record was 1-3-2, and two, which obviously would have been their second loss coming in that very game. Of course, they didn't lose. Uh, it was a draw. So they finished with a 1-4-1 record. Just wanted to make sure, uh, quite literally, actually set the record straight, Christian. Because um, yeah, yes, that uh, you know you don't want to be stating facts wrong uh, when you're trying to present and talk about football. So yeah, no, no, uh, not at all. Okay, uh, and Cody Ajada, um, I've actually just realised. Uh, by the way, shameless plug here. Um, it's actually not shameless. It's on our own podcast. But uh, these two have just started their own podcast. Um, our our front page dub. A League Woman podcast, and the first episode was released earlier today. So go check that out if you want to listen a bit more about the upcoming round in the A League Woman. Big game happening this week as well between Melbourne City and Western United. So great to have you two on for that fact. But Cody Ajada, uh, who I guess is the the host of that podcast, Matt. Yes. Um. So pretty much. Uh, yeah. Or, or are you co-host? I'm, I'm how, more how, than happy how's... to share that that part of it around in all honesty i don't always uh, need to be the host um, yeah the conversation can happen at a later time but i don't know that i'm host material i'm not charismatic enough nah, no don't doubt yourself no I, I tend to agree with that. um so <laughs> but anyway christian i i am good it's nice to finally be talking about the a-league men's it's been quite a while since i've actually got to talk about this competition obviously we've spoken about soccer a-league women's in between but 
It's um, great to be talking about the equal greatest competition in the world, obviously, right up there alongside the dub. Yeah, and uh, obviously, you say that you haven't talked about the A-League, but let's be honest, we've all talked about the A-League this week. Um, and oh, we just I've, haven't, if anyone just here follows me on Twitter, on I've said some very, very angry things. Yes, so... And we're going to, and and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Cody, because I'm going to make you a little bit more angry because we're going to talk about, we, we have to, it's it's the hot topic. We'll get to the game soon, but there, of course, was a walkout. We saw the first one in this round uh, by by Terrace Navacastria, the Newcastle Jets active supporter group. And yeah, a, a sign which said fans uh, are basically bigger than than money. Um, and yeah, it, uh, it it started. It has begun. The the protesting, the uh, discontent, and um, yeah, just Matt, uh, our let, let's dive into it. What, what what were your thoughts watching that unfold? We we kind of I was actually at the start of the game, kind of like let's just get to twenty minutes. Let's just get to twenty minutes. I kind of want to see what what's going to happen here. Is it, are they really going to walk out? Is it you know uh, are are the active supporter groups going to really stand by what they've been saying? And and from the looks of it, they they really are going to be be making some strong stance on on the decision earlier this week yeah okay um so to the best of my understanding um and i could i could have this wrong but to the best of my understanding because the charity um teddy toss happened at half time the fans didn't actually leave the facility they they went to participate at the the charity event um at half time which unfortunately clashed with of course the planned protest that they had had so yeah i mean obviously we we wanted there to be a powerful statement and i credit obviously the Novocastrians for protesting in the fashion that they did because they got their they got their statement made obviously that the banner was was hoisted up and uh some very very clear footage of an entire terrace full of fans walking away so the statement's been made it's it, and the attention now turns to to other clubs to to pick up that mantle uh, particularly for uh the derby um tomorrow as well yeah and i think the other thing i mean Cody um is just it was just so startling and look you know we know newcastle home games particularly on a friday night like this you know they're not always going to attract massive crowds but it was actually so noticeable to to realize the difference and hear the difference in atmosphere once once that active supporter group left and it kind of just did remind you how important these these groups are to to our league um just i guess touch on that and and the importance of this active supporter groups walking out we've seen it before of course back in the back in 2015 um surely surely the apl i mean that it looks like they're i think i personally think the way i see it they're going to be waiting this out and just hoping that the anger dies down and then and then you know just go on with it uh and and the deal will be be set in stone but how can they not how can they ignore this but but they have to be seriously you know be nervous looking at looking at some of these scenes they can be nervous all they want but the, their actions show that this is the future that they're pushing for. What they're going towards is a grand final neutral territory with, I don't want to say bandwagon fans, but neutral fans. If you're going to have, say, uh, I don't want to say Perth or Western because that's a joke that everyone's been kind of rubbing around, but let's just say you get a Melbourne victory and an Adelaide playing in a grand final in Sydney. Mm-hmm. The, that's exactly what Craig Goodwin said. You're going to get 10,000 if that Adelaide fan's showing up. 12,000 if that victory fan's showing up, and the way the OSM are talking, they'll actually get no, no one going up. And then you're going to have a stadium if that full of neutral fans, and all that's going to do is create, a, you're going to have a stadium, it's going to be full of people, 
but no one's going to be making any noise. And that is the exact opposite to what we should be pushing for in football in this country. We showed with the live sites, we showed with the Sydney Derby, we showed with the first Melbourne Derby this year. Our league is at its best when we have a stadium that is absolutely rocking. The NRL Grand Final that was on, I can't even remember when it was, it was the same weekend as the um, Australia Cup Final. There are people that have, that went to both and said that that half-filled Bankwest Stadium had more atmosphere than an 80,000-seat stadium with two rugby teams playing. If we want to take a leaf out of rugby's book, we're going to end up with atmosphere like that. And considering the atmosphere of our games is our best-selling point, I hope Danny Townsend is watching tonight and I hope he's seeing the glimpse of the future of the A-League that he's creating because I don't want to be watching games where I can hear the players talking on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, no, spot on. Really well said. Um, I just, you know, and, and I actually tweeted about it before during the game. Like, if 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 the APL does want this to be a showcase event uh, like the AFL and NRL Grand Finals, like they've been talking about, in my opinion, it, the AFL Grand Final already is a showcase event, to be honest. Um, and I witnessed it firsthand here in 2016. But you, you can't have a showcase event without active supporters. Like it's, it's just not going to happen, um, which is kind of what Cody's touching on. Matt, anything to add on on this before we before we get into the game? Um, I, look, I, I'm, I'm still really conflicted about, you know, the heart of active support boycotting and the overall, uh, you know, fan boycott hot that's that's being planned and and just this sort of almost like a social stigma that's starting out where people are kind of getting castrated if they if they step up and say like no i don't want to do a complete 100 percent full boycott Mm. and i think that that particularly speaks to not this competition but the women's competition in particular because their their crowds are small enough as is people Mm. are not going to be walking out on mass you know when there's 700 people at macedonia park watching perth glory lose three nil i'm still quite devastated about it but but, no you know in all seriousness um you know I just I, I worry about the ability for us as a community to recover from this, considering pe- people are threatening some pretty serious things. You know, people have already said that, you know, prominent fan groups have already said that they've they've deleted Keep Up, they're you know cancelling Paramount Plus, they're you know completely disenfranchising and disengaging from the game. Mm. If that really is the case, what the fuck are we going to do to get them back? And and well, I might as well even mention it because Cody Cody said like the Australia Cup final was a really really big moment for our atmosphere compared to rugby league in the same city that weekend. And it was still marring controversy. Can the game just take a second and just realize that you know twenty one twenty two was a really terrible season just for the for the dynamics of it all. It just it just really commercially seemed to flop, yeah. and we came back into this with this really good story about Sydney United's Cup run. And then, you know, as the league went on, we had a few really good games. The, the Big Blue, for example, you know, it, it was propped up and there was just this really good vibe. And off the back of it, the Socceroos do what they do. And we still find a way after all that yep. to piss ourselves off and shoot ourselves in the foot. And and the fact that it's going to happen with both of our showpiece games as well, that the Cup final obviously being marred with the racism incidents and now the Grand Final being marred with a terrible commercial decision. I mean, like... I don't blame people, but I also do really worry about, you know, where we where we go from here. And also, I'm I'm really worried about the people that do stay around, how they're perceived, and and the people that want to push the game, how they're perceived as well. So there's there's multiple angles of, of this where you just you have to feel anger and regret and 
you know, a lot of really negative things, Christian. Yeah, and more to the point, I think that we've got the the Melbourne Derby coming up, the pre Christmas Derby, which is always a which is always a special occasion on the A League calendar. Um, and now it's obviously going to be marred. Look, we, we know it's going to happen. Both active supporter groups are going to walk out, and and victories is quite big, so it's going to be very noticeable. Um, that you know, obviously they are the away team in this instance, but I believe they have sold pretty much sold out that active away bay, and it is going to be around five and a half to six thousand fans there who are just going to walk out after twenty minutes. Um, so we, one of our showpiece games in the league is just going to be an absolute, um, you know, dull affair after twenty minutes, which no one's going to care about. Uh, and you want to talk about, you know, commercial decisions and daily league improving commercially? Well, games like that uh, are what helps it. Um, so. You know, <clears throat> it's 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 not good. It, it really isn't. And uh, I think we have to see what's going to come out of this round um, because something's going to have to happen where 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 the APL is going to make some sort of announcement around the decision or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, or, or clubs are going to do something or fans are either going to continue what they're doing or... You know, I don't know, but then um, you know, hearing that the Red Army have have vetoed a meeting with with Danny Townsend, they don't even want to talk to him. Um, you know, like this is, it, it's it's very futile, uh, and and there there it's it's toxic, and I just can't really see how the APL is going to get some of these fans back on side without just waiting it out. Um, and hoping that they just stop, you know, kicking up a fuss. But really, they're entitled. The to problem is, they can wait it yeah. out, and if they wait it out, they probably will. It will die down. It will die down after a few weeks. It'll die down maybe after a month, month and a half. And then, and the then problem is, and I saw someone say this online. Wait, 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 wait. I saw someone say this online. I think it was Marissa Lodanich. Mm. You can wait this out all you want, but the moment the ne- the grand final comes around everything's mm. going to come back up again. Mm. So they can do what they want. They can go, yeah, we'll wait it out. We'll die it down. Then they're going to implement it. And the moment the, that grand final week hits, everything's going to come back up again. And you're going to play a grand final in front of 5,000 people. And that's going to be embarrassing for the for the sport in this country. But my, but my thing as well, Cody. And I've Sorry, Matt. About... I didn't mean to cut you off like that. No, that's fine. I, I, don't, yeah. I interjected, so that, that's okay. <laughs> the point that I was just going to make was if, if yeah. we, like if, if, if the APO actually are serious in this whole idea of, of sitting back and sort of waiting for fans to get over it and stop being emotional, or, you know, because I think Danny, Danny Townsend actually said that himself. Yeah, he has. He's, he's called fans emotional. And yeah, I just, really look, ridiculous, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a, just to just point this out, I'm not a PR expert. I'm not a marketing, I'm not anything like that. But honestly, the way the APL has, has gone about this and, and their perception of the way fans think is being pretty poor. Um, and and I think we've seen that reaction. I think, you know, and a lot of people are saying this, you know, we're not dumb as fans, that and this fan group's talking and stuff like that. And 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 they aren't. And I think that the the APL have, have really misjudged the, you know, what 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 reaction they were expecting. And Townsend even admitted, uh, Matt, that, you know, he they weren't expecting this big of a negative reaction. Um, and I think also some people have mentioned, um, I think I saw uh, Tom Williams, uh, journalist mentioned that, um, you know, why didn't they do something that the AFL does, which is leak, you know, the story to a journalist, get them to publish a bit of a story about it, um, that, that the announcement is pending and see the reaction. And then they don't have to, you know, they can, they can retract it. But then as we've seen, maybe they were already just so locked into this deal that there was no, there was no turning back. But anyway, Matt, as you were, as you were saying. Yeah, the point that I was just going to make is we're going to be spending a long 
long time in an awkward stalemate, really, where the APL don't want to say anything, they don't want to touch it, mm. and the fans don't want to come back. Why the fuck would they feel incentivized to come back? And it just leads to this really deteriorating, dull vibe going on uh, until obviously, as, as Cody and, and as has mentioned, uh, as Melissa mentioned, um, that, uh, you know, we're going to be basically arriving at that grand final date and people are just, just going to be so infuriated. Mm. Um, I just don't see at what point throughout this entire stalemate of the, LPA, of the APL waiting for us and that sort of end game of, of the grand final arriving, uh, at what point does the fan, you know, uh, sort of board relationship get better? It doesn't. So you, you like, you need, you need some type of course of action. Um, and you know, I just, there's no, there's no easy solution to that. Um, and there's no way to, to really make that relationship whole again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, I'm going to just finish on this um, by just talking about, you know, you mentioning that when the grand final comes back up and stuff like that. Well, what what I think we're seeing play out, though, over the course this week, and I've been following it very closely all week. It's actually been fucking affecting my week um, <laughs> quite quite a lot, to be honest. Um, and, you know, we were actually gone from the start of the week on Monday to what's the grand final decision, what you know, crowds in Sydney, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. You know, we can't play grand final in Sydney. It needs to be one on merit, this and the other. So the conversations are actually now around what's the due process, how are decisions being made. So everything is now going into a completely different direction here. So to to Melissa's point, as as Cody mentioned, around when the grand final comes back up. You mean Mar Marissa, again. right? Sorry. Marissa, my bad. Same, um, I started that by making. I, I think Matt actually said Melissa, and that that's what that's I what did, put me did, on. Yeah, no, I did. I so, did. I did. Marissa, if you actually bad. listen to this podcast, apologies. That's that's Matt Olson's fault. Uh, but yep. anyway, the <laughs> she does some great work for the ESPN. I I don't not know who she is. I need to preface that, okay? But anyway, as I was saying. You know the point around when the when the grand final comes up, this is going to spark. I there's a possibility that this could just keep sparking because people are going to be thinking, how the fuck is this league actually being run? And that's how that's how that you know their the, their way of thinking is going to be going at the moment, in my opinion. But anyway, we're we're about you know almost twenty minutes in this podcast. We haven't actually talked about the game, and the whole point of the mini podcast is to react to the game. So uh, the actual football um, one 0 win for Brisbane. I thought they looked pretty good tonight uh for for most of it obviously there were low periods um and in the end i mean they walk away with it i think the stat came out towards the end of the game they always created an expected goals of two um you know they were near that mark which is which is pretty good for for this brisbane team who have looked pretty dull at times uh you know this season so very good win i think um my main takeaway and sorry to come in with the south australian angle but uh carlo armiento um was extremely impressive uh in my opinion for brisbane and if he isn't starting for this team um you know going forward i'd be very surprised i was very impressed by him tonight um cody matt let's uh yeah let's get into your reactions yeah, to the you game. want to talk about impressive former adelaide players look milayosnich did his bit tonight and just, mm. i find i find that the brisbane milayosnich compared to the adelaide milayosnich i I don't know that I like the Brisbane Millers niche as much. He's obviously in a far worse team and has a lot more to do. But look, let me just say this on Brisbane. If they're about to have uh, this moment with, you know, an Adam Taggart's type signing coming back in place of Charlie Austin, there is still momentum there. And I'll tell you what, these boys know how to grind out a result. 
to mm. be sitting fourth on the ladder with a two, four and one record who thought this possible at Brisbane Raw? Like I, I you know, and, and we've actually, because they've been playing so often on Friday nights, we've been having this conversation a lot, Christian, mm -hmm. about, well, where do we go from here? They're a total mess and they don't do this in attack and they're really uninspiring and they wait for teams to come to them. All yeah. of that is still incredibly true. Of course. Oh, well, I didn't find that tonight though. You know, uh, you, I didn't find that tonight. I actually yeah. thought that they were a little bit more on the front foot and they actually you know, played to win. And I think when they actually yeah, do yeah. that, they actually look like a pretty decent team. Mind so, you, yeah. th th this is not to say that the Jets, by their own right, yeah. didn't mess a lot of things up. A lot of times in the final third, particularly in the second half where the game got really intense, so many balls in the final third where they just couldn't keep their feet on it. They were fumbling around and, and there was just a very messy sort of static vibe going Can on. Can I there. just like... How that happens, I, I don't really know. Yeah, like... One player, so so Becca Dartamelia, who is is a nice little player, and you know he's got some he's got some nice touch and stuff, but he just he just has these moments to to, to your point, Matt, where it's just kind of like the final third stuff and and the the final ball, and it's like wow, like that's that's poor. Uh, um, so you know this that was Newcastle, and and if they this was what I was kind of getting at with them as well around how they approach the season and, and the amount of squad turnover they had. And I've always been like a really big advocate against this in the A-League where if you have so much squad turnover, it's really hard to build a consistent identity, a consistent playing style as a team. And I think with Newcastle, we're, we're seeing something, we're going to see something similar to last season with them where one week they look really good, like last week in the F3 derby. Um, and then, you know, the next week they're, they're kind of a shambles. And I think tonight, um, you know, in an attacking sense, like they they look like they push the ball around. You're like, wow, like there's a lot of good technical players in this team. Thurgate, O'Neill, you know, this and the other. And they can keep the ball really well, but there's just no cutting edge. There's no ambition at times. And it's really frustrating. Mikkel Tadze as well has kind of, you know, he's obviously still a threat, but he just doesn't seem the same kind of threat he was last season. I know he scored last week, but it's just a lot, a lot of stuff with the refs this year as well with him and he's kind of not really focusing on on his on his job in my opinion just 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 watching it looks uh, it's a frustrated figure I yeah it's probably cuts, the best cuts way a frustrated figure you know and um, look yeah i can if you're talking about newcastle i can sit here and say oh they don't have Pena behind him again mm. i wouldn't even say Pena was the only loss you're talking that not necessarily the middle third but that line between their the two midfielders they had last year and Mikko Tadze. sorry it wasn't just Pena that they lost out of it. They lost Olivier Bermel, who I thought was mm -hmm. a very good player, and Valentino Yule, who ended up having a pretty good season last year. So when you've completely replaced that area of your pitch, obviously there's going to be some functional, um, I don't know what you've got to call it. Every, everything's got to kind of, you're starting from scratch again, basically. That's, what, that's the situation Papas is in. How your transition from the middle third to the attacking third, I don't want to say it's going to change because Papas is going to try and implement the same style but you've got to retrain that again and when the marquee or well not the marquee man but the big name player that you bring in to replace penny and piscopo wow. is now i'm on the sidelines that mm. makes things a little bit even just that little bit more harder so when you look at it that way the squad turnover issue is looking pretty prevalent at the moment despite their win last season last week um but yeah that's definitely a big issue that's going on with the newcastle jets at the moment Brisbane Raw, because I know the conversation kind of went away from them, but I'm going to bring it back a little bit because one player that I don't think has been talked about enough, not just this season, but towards the end of last season as well, um, Holmes in goals. Didn't have much to do today. What a save, Made that man. very, very Holy fine fuck. save towards yeah. the end. 
he, for me, is someone that's kind of flown under the radar recently in terms of young Australian goalkeepers. Okay. He did go to the Olympics when he was playing at a fairly low level in the English Pyramid, which I was confused about at the time. But the more I watch him play in this Brisbane side, the more I think, okay, this he guy was, he was on about He him. was on Bournemouth's books for quite a while, uh, Jordan Holmes, just as, a, uh, just as a caveat. But yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So he's clearly got something about him. Uh, look, the first I really heard of him, he was playing in those lower levels of the English Pyramid. That's probably where I made that prejudgment about him. But mm. yeah, someone that I think should be talked about a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And just on your point, actually, and, and I'm going to get the conversation back to Newcastle. We're just going to go back and forth between the two, um, to be honest. This is what we kind of do. But love the mini. Oh, absolutely. And it's just it's just about cramming as much freaking talking points in, in 40 minutes. But um, on the Piscopo injury and stuff, when when they've got Soterio and Bahadra out there, look, you've got a lot of pace. And look, admittedly, although they have their finishing issues, they can score at times. But there's just a lack of technical refinement and, and composure and decision-making with those two that you get. And I think we saw the 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 reason why Trempas Bahadur can be such a frustrating player um, tonight, you know, as well because he's got so much pace and he's got that ability to to get into really promising positions, but he just doesn't deliver more often than not. And and yeah, that's the complete but, opposite to what they had last year, where you had Bumal yeah. and Yule who were good with the ball at their feet mm-hmm. and were able to create something, whereas now you're replacing with two very direct players that probably don't have the same skill set. And you're trying to almost do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, just one thing I'll touch on with them, the, the the fullback kind of situation, like Jenkinson, for a Pappas team, well, how Pappas ideally wants to play, he's not really, for me, the ideal fullback. He doesn't really get forward very often. He's not really that, um, you know, progressive uh, in possession either. But more to the point as well, with Dane Ingham on the other side, you know it's with Dane Ingham every single time he gets the ball, he has to cut back in on his right foot and it just kind of disrupts the flow of the attack and he doesn't have that same... You know, when they had Dylan Manane at left back, um, you know, he was, you know, uh, pre- pretty good for them, I thought. And he, and he gave him that that more, you know, better balance in an attacking sense. But that was also just, just one thing I noticed. But, um, yeah, I think uh, for Newcastle, it's and for Newcastle fans, I just think it's going to be a little bit like this for them uh, this season. There's, there's going to be games where you go, oh, wow, fuck, like, you know, shit, we look really good tonight. And then next week, it's kind of like, wow, can we actually, like, just manufacture, like, a decent opportunity uh, with all this possession? So, yeah. Um, and it's good in order for, to save fans that they're going to have to deal with that. Mm. But if they get to the end of this season and they release 10 players again, yeah. Next season they start from scratch. You're asking the fans to do the same thing all over again. That's right. And and there's got to be and which club, and which where club you go, Cody, okay, we're going to keep a hold of these players. But but yeah, you, know, you say that. And which club historically over over these last five years has been doing that? And and their fan base got extremely extremely toxic about it. In your backyard, man. <laughs> Wanderers. <laughs> okay. Um. It has to be the Wanderers. What, I don't work not... out what you so... meant for a sec. So what okay, I'm talking, talking about, about who's keeping squad, players well, not who's releasing them. Yeah, no, Wanderers, that's a different story. Yeah, no, but I'm they, talking about the squad turnover thing and how and how the squad turnover policy. It's always a big systemic yeah. issue in the A League, though. For for a start, like there's no side that'll ever be free from it. Just just the way the contract system and the transfer system works in the A League, hmm. um, and and with the changeover in governance, none of that has improved. None of that has changed, which is something that we should also address in how in the APL about. But look whatever that's going that's going far beyond this look i thought the jets tonight i don't think the midfield was that bad 
Mm. Um, I was actually really impressed. Okay, they're 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 Perth boys, so I'm 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 obviously <laughs> speaking to something personal as well. Um, but you know, Steins and, and O'Neill. I mean, O'Neill's even said after the game he could see a lot of positives there, and rightly so because I think they've played through midfield pretty well. They just really couldn't find that spark in the final third, and and really like they just there were so many mistakes and things going on. The finished product, they were so uninspired, and I just don't I just don't get that. You know, you're at home, you're supposed to be making the most of that. And um, they just, they didn't, at nil-nil, they didn't look like it. And mind you, I mean, Brisbane was still fumbling around and not making the most of it, but Brisbane found the way. Brisbane, when you look at their results, they actually know how to find a way and they know how to grind out a result. I'm just worried that Pappas doesn't, he hasn't really adapted that style about it. One, one more thing I wanted to mention, and this is something that came to light in his um, A-Legs All Access, mm. is that he he seems to personally bear the brunt of it a lot, and he mm. doesn't pin a lot of that on individuals. He said it, he said so himself. Um, and I'm just wondering how much that mentality is a bit of a weakness as well. Because if Pappas doesn't actually look at the the, the boys who don't step up and, and, you know, inquire more about why that's happening, um, they're not going to learn. And I just, you know, I don't know... Like, like, obviously, it, it, how dare I question someone with the experience of, of Arthur Pappas? But, but seriously, like, I, I just don't. If if that is his mentality, I think I think it is a bit of a, a weak trait to be carrying forward for a team that needs to find that consistency. Well, I think I think it will be interesting though to evaluate them again when Piscopo comes back and he's fully fit, and then Mikko Tadze, if he can just get up and running, then and we start to see the the striker that we saw last year then, you know, and, and Dartsmelli is another one who can just get some more game time under his belt, then maybe this team will start to, you know, uh, form a little bit more in, in the way that Pappas uh, wants it to. Um, yeah, and just Brisbane as well, uh, just to touch on them again, um, like a lot of, yeah, you know, they've got a lot of exciting attacking players when you actually really think about it. I think um, Denzaki is one who, just like I was touching on Mikkel Tate, he has not, being the same player that we saw in his first stint at the Raw. But, you know, he shows moments here and there that he can still, of course, provide that quality. Uh, like, Armiento now seems, like I touched on, I, I just think he's a he's a really good, really good prospect. He's um, been a standout when they've been pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah. So for him, to, for him to stand up tonight, definitely definitely added, obviously he wasn't on the pitch when they went 1-0 up, but yeah, he adds to it a lot. Danzaki yeah. as well. Um, I, I'm sure I'm sure you actually had a really articulate point to make, but Danzaki seems oh, to I did, but yeah, a, anyway. No, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll let you get back to it. I just wanted to say, Danzaki has a lot of uh, presence of mind off the ball that really is undervalued. But Krishna, I'll let you continue. No, yeah, I was just going to say as well, with Miliuznic, I think, I, I get what you're saying, Matt, that maybe he's not the Adelaide Miliuznic, but I do think he is more of a established threat, if I can describe him like that in the league. I think that opponents have to respect him a bit more now than than what they did. Like, he's moved out of that Bahaja, Soteria kind of category of, of wingers, if you want to if you want to put it that way. And now he's a bit more of an established kind of closer to a Ben Halloran type. If you if you're looking at looking at it in that sort of tier kind of system, um, which would actually be an interesting kind of thing to 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 look at in the A League and kind of separate players in kind of a tier ranking like that. But anyway, um, so I think I think you know he's 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 very much a threat every game he plays. I mean, and then like Henry Hoare comes off the bench late on, you're like, oh shit. Henry Hall, like, completely forgot about him, right? And, you know, he, he obviously was was one of the real positives, I thought, for them last year. Um, and Joe Knowles as well, who I thought was okay when he came off the bench at the end there, you know, uh, runs around a little probably bit. Probably not, not as much today, but Joe Knowles is someone that I've been impressed with probably in yeah. the season as a whole. Yeah, He's but, been this really is, handy but also, one. this is getting to my broader point around... Another ex-Perth. Yeah. 
But my broader point as well around, okay, Austin's leaving. Yep. All right. Like, I, I honestly don't think it's like, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, seriously, uh, I just think, I know. Uh, I still think they're obviously, because they're obviously going to have a visa spot, right? So they're going yep. to go for a really big attacking player. But um, one of the best Brisbane players of recent years is Alex, what well, was Alex Parsons, who is now wasting away in mm. at, at Sydney FC and not even mm. getting the game time. If he was still in that squad, I'd actually really, really like what, what Brisbane have to offer upon, upon reflection. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, let me just ask the question though on, on Charlie Austin. What type of player will they be going for in, in his absence? I, I would want, if, if they're going for a strike, I don't think, you know, Austin is like being playing as this kind of poacher, target man, like kind of get on the end of things sort of thing. Uh, and I just don't think it works for, for what they've got around him. I think they need a, a, a much more agile quicker striker who can who can pose a threat in behind and if they can find that someone with quality like that um then i think it really could you know you know uh revolutionize them in an attacking sense seriously because i I do think if they had a really good quality foreign striker like that who who had the i don't know i'm trying to think of a of a comparison but kind of like a jamie mclaren type uh maybe maybe not the same sort of quality but the same type of player and then they could complement that with Armiento and Miliuznic on either side, and then you've got Jay O'Shea who can control a midfield. I mean, that's that's the makings of a pretty good attacking team, in my opinion. Um, so that's what I'd be looking for in terms of a striker profile. Now, if they can get that, I don't know. But Austin, for me, he just hasn't... Every time I've watched him, I've watched him, you know, like you're saying, we, we, we've been doing the minis on Friday. I've watched him a few times now this year, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to fit at all. So it's it's a, yeah. it's a side that doesn't get him get him into the game very well. I think that's very very clear and obvious. I, I'd actually love to see Joe Knowles get a start in his absence. If you're talking about a quick agile striker, you've kind of got one waiting in the wings already. So why not? Look at the end of the day, but but you're not gonna you're not gonna not use the visa spot like on a striker like that. That's you know. Well, okay. Um, you might okay. You might go down that path because it's mm. available to you, but. This was Charlie Austin's last game. You've got a few games before the, the window opens up in January. I don't see the problem with giving Knowles a start, seeing how he goes, because if he goes and he, if he slots into that side and he performs, why would you bother looking for a visa striker? Yeah. Just because you have the visa yeah, spot and, there, and, and, I don't think that means you should use have to use it. On that is... Um... You know, it, it could actually really help solidify the uh, defensive effort as well if they if they opt to get um, centre back or something. You know, so so there's there's options there. Um, but I think the the one thing that you really have to, um, you know, if, if you're Warren Moon anyway, the one thing that you really have to focus on is just trying to get these guys playing a more attractive brand of football because it, it can be really frustrating at times. But it's also painfully obvious to me that they've got some quality in, in good places and they know how to grind for a result. So there's something of a product there that can be appealing. You just have to wonder where they go to, um, you know, in, in the future with with a lot of that not quite being uh, the polished sort of com complete. But, but we also, I guess we also don't know with Moon, you know, this is what year three, I want to say, with under Warren Moon, um, Brisbane. And although in the first year they, they made the finals and, and of course lost in, in that elimination final to Adelaide, they obviously, you know, last year weren't very good. And then now is there like some potential pressure on him? Like maybe he needs a more pragmatic style to to get results now. You know, we, we don't necessarily know 
um, how that's playing out and and what what's being expected of him. So maybe that's why they're not maybe playing or trying to play as an attractive brand of football as, as what they knowing were when the backries and knowing the upper powers at the Brisbane Raw. Look, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> So, so honestly, Moon Moon might be there for the next decade. Yeah, yeah. Am, am uh, I able to throw a name in the ring if Brisbane do up to look for a striker externally? Please, Luis Suarez. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still on the Australian striker. It's something that's been well documented. We all have five visa spots, and every club goes, "Yep, we're going to sign an international striker." And what does that do? It gives less opportunity for Australian strikers are, are to, you about to make a name for Mitch themselves. Duke? No, Ooh. I'm thinking of someone that used to play for Brisbane. Or I'm actually thinking of um, Dylan Wenzel Halls. He's going to be behind the, the return. That's not, at that's not a United bad shout. Hashtag yeah. bring Dylan home, yeah. Ipswich boy. Let's go. That's what I mean. Like, look, he's from he's from the city. He's but that's the, the type of striker I'm talking about, and yeah, it's the type I, of yeah. striker that they should they should they should go for. Yeah, I no, don't I don't see the downside to this. And yeah. I don't think Western United say no to it either because you get rid of him, it gives more opportunity for Bodish to have a run, who's probably at that stage where he can be mm. that backup to Priovic. Ever since ever since that under seventeen World Cup, Brazil twenty nineteen, oh I have loved Noah Bodich. No, Same. him and, him, Same. Him and, and I want to see him get more games. Single handedly destroyed Nigeria. Watch that game back. Noah Bodich <laughs> is quality on his day. He's taken this to his grave. Okay, uh, this this uh, this mini's getting into uh, getting into holy shit. It's not a mini territory uh, anymore. <laughs> so we've got we've got a few minutes. Um, got a few minutes left. Um, first of all, Matt, on the subject of Australian strikers and and this that and the other, Adam Taggart, he is back uh, with Perth Glory. I want you to just uh, very very briefly for a couple minutes touch on 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 the significance of that. Also, the the awkwardness of 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 what was said uh, by Tony Sage towards him. Obviously, last time he departed and and now he's re-signed on a three and a half year deal um and of course you were there uh at the presser when when he was announced as well so so give a little bit of a spiel on that look uh, um i'm i'm just going to start by saying water under the bridge you know um you know it was it was years ago now it was it was literally like in in the dawn of the, the last world cup so we are talking about a situation that's evolved over several years um on adam himself look he, you know, there there has been a bit of hostility, maybe even with the fans, because uh, maybe of the fashion that he left, but but also the fact that he's he's always seemed to sort of be really really at that level, but never actually pushed on to the point where he sort of could have been playing in purple the whole time. You know what I mean? Like he's he's made a good account of himself in in Korea and in Japan, but he didn't push on to that elite level, and I feel like that kind of bothers fans to some degree. But I could tell you what. Listening to him personally discuss this, listening to what Ruben has had to say about him, um, I'm really looking forward to this. Like he he cares, he really really cares. He even said that you know there was when when the Bruno situation had happened, he immediately went to Serizo Osaka, who he was still scoring at a very good rate with in in Japan. He could have been making making a name for himself in the J League. He said, "I want to go home." He he said, "Like I they were very understanding of me," and I said, "I want to go home." Um, that is a hungry Adam Taggart, one I haven't really seen for years, going back to sort of his, his days as a Newcastle Jet, going back to when he was playing with Brisbane, all these years in the J-League, the K-League, all of it. He's he's hungry and he wants it. And um, he can really be a bright spark in a team that's sort of finding their way. And and Ruben is, is also really making a nice account of himself as the days go by as well. Maybe he isn't that stopgap manager. Ruben, Ru- Ruben sort of A, thoughts? Well, um, 
you know, yeah, I point out a really underrated, like a lot of casual swearing. It was obviously very, very um, focused on on sort of his his personal life as well. But yeah. I don't know if you noticed, there was a scene um, where he's with his daughters and he's walking them to school, and he says to one of them, "What's important? And uh, what what do we need to do today? And you know, manners. You you, you need manners." Um, it's important that we embrace manners. It cuts to him then dropping f bombs at Daryl Lachman, who's playing with a sprinkler at the training <laughs> training ground. <laughs> Sorry, training I, oh my god, I have to talk about this. That was that was actually like I, I tweeted about it as well. I was literally dying when when that happened. Like I, I watched it really late at night um, when it was released, and it literally cuts to Daryl Lachman trying to trying to <laughs> trying to uh, deviate a sprinkler onto Ruben Zakovich, and it, and he just goes fuck off, Daryl. <laughs> and it's like literally the funniest thing. Uh, ever. Um, well, a moment from that that I found really underrated was when it was with the children and one of his daughters turns around, looks at the camera and goes, what's that? And he has to sit there and explain to her, that's a camera you're meant to pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, a lot of insight to mm. his character development, right? If I could just speak to this for two seconds. This yeah. is a guy who he was an R-rated, you know, total dickhead when he was playing football. <laughs> but, you know, he's someone that actually has had a really humble side to him, has had a really uh, appreciative character. You know, he's he's 35 or 36 years old, and he, he already has, you know, the um, the character of some managers in their, in their you know, mid-40s and 50s. He's, he's just, he's someone that you really, really like. And I will always have sympathy for him because he, he came into this club at just the worst possible time. And, you know, he spent time doing it hard in the MPL, playing at total shit old grounds. I think, I think glorious MPL was still based at Ashfield when, when he took over, which look, I, I, I could speak more to that, but obviously not what we're here to do. Um, and just, you know, there is a lot of love there for him because, because of his character development and the fact that he's lived a lot of that through, okay, Broadmeadow magic and the Newcastle Jets, but, but also mainly through Perth as well. Um, it, it means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh and Perth take on MacArthur um away from home in the in the final game of the round. So that's gonna be interesting after winning last week. Uh now they go away and let's see if they can back it up. Uh Melbourne Derby, of course, happening as well. And I think we're all gonna be tuning in more to see uh what's gonna happen with these walkouts and the active supporter groups. Uh I, I can tell you now this story is not over. And uh, and the scenes from this round uh, could be could be catastrophic for the APL. But um, we're going to wrap that up. Uh, uh, this mini clocking in around that forty minute mark, which is which is how we like it. Um, so yeah, uh, Cody, anything uh, anything just to wrap up um, before before we go. Uh, for anyone that does walk out tomorrow at the Melbourne Derby, when you are outside the stadium, if you're doing chants against Danny Towns, then please make yourself heard. But one thing we do tend to see with some of these protests, sometimes it does descend into a bit of a chaos where um, police and fans clash. Let's hope that doesn't happen because that's just going to bring unwanted attention. Mm. Whatever we do, do it peacefully, make yourself heard, but just don't be a dickhead. <laughs> uh, Matt, yeah, we we want to still yeah. pan ourselves in a positive light, so don't fuck it up for us. Yeah, uh, Matt. Anything to add before we before we finish? Sure. Just just on the on the boycotts. Look, I'll still be attending the, the dub this week with with Perth at home, and um, I think that the, the women's competition as a whole um, should be respected equally with the men's when it comes to this type of thing as well. So just just to bear that in mind, I guess would be my my parting words. Also, if Kat Haddad listens, I am going to be trying to get a tweet on Dub Zone tomorrow. P- please get me on it. 
<laughs> and I, if if Dubzone, uh, we actually we were debating this off air. I'm not too sure if Dubzone is on tomorrow, but if it is, um, I've been I've been regularly um featured on Dubzone, uh, particularly last week. But I'm not. I don't think I have a chance to to get featured on there this week, um, because I'll be busy. But um, yeah, uh, you know, much love to Dubzone. Okay, seriously, we need to wrap this up because now we're talking about a bunch of bullshit. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's been another. Mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And uh, of course, as always, we'll be back next week with another one. Uh, See you soon.